Good morning. Good morning, everyone. We want to encourage you all to come in and find a seat. If you're finishing up your coffee, quickly get it down and come on in. We're going to begin and we're going to worship and we want to all be together. So we're excited you're here this morning. Do you have a good week? Yeah? Good. That's wonderful to hear. Are you excited to come in and worship? Let's do this together. Would you stand with me and we'll, we'll just start this morning off. Praising Jesus, so let's start. Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus our King. Make known the power of His grace, the beauty of His peace. Remember how His mercy reached as we cried out to Him. He lifted us to solid ground to free us from our sin. Oh, sing my soul.
wonderful. Well, we're excited that we get to be here this morning. So I would really love it if you guys would join me in prayer. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit in this morning. Just let him take over. But Father, we thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for getting us all up when the sun came up this morning over the mountain. And Lord, we are grateful that we get to sit in your presence here. So we ask you to come in. We ask your Holy Spirit to come in this morning. And Father, I pray that as you come into this place, we're able to check in all the things from this week, leave them at the door. And Lord, I just pray that you will start tilling our hearts and getting us ready for your word so it roots down deep. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that you will be with those that aren't with us this morning. I think of Leisha Lands, Jesus, as she's with her dad. And Lord, I just pray that you will be with them and Father, I thank you for those that have come back that have been ill. And Lord, I'm grateful to see them here this morning. So Lord, we just pray that at this point, as we step into your throne room, Lord Jesus, that you will be the center of it all. That you will be the one that we keep our eyes fixed on. And Lord, as we progress through this service, Jesus, that you start changing us from the inside out. And when we walk out these doors and start facing our week, that we will take what we have been changed with, Jesus, and apply it. And I pray, Lord, that you will use it to lead other people into your presence, whether they know you or whether they've known you for a long time and they're tired. Jesus, they need you. So we give you this morning. We lay ourselves out for you to do what you will. And we love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you turn to someone this morning? Say good morning to them. Tell them you're glad they're here. Welcome them into this place.
Good to be in God's house today. Amen. You can be seated. Got a beautiful day. Good to be together. And those uh, Sunday morning handouts, what a color are those today? Lavender, right? You've got a connection card. Great way to communicate information to us. Prayer request on one side. And on the other side, we've been... uh, Asking you to give us some updated contact information. If you're a regular part of WLC and you think that contact information in the directory is outdated, update us and uh, write that down and throw it in the offering plate as they come around today or uh, let us know anything else you'd like to let us know on those connection cards and we'd be glad to receive those. VBS, Vacation Bible School. Just want to be sure you're paying attention this morning, and you are, uh, 10 days away. So uh, details in your Sunday morning handout this morning, still needing a few workers and uh, plenty of room for more kids. That card in your Sunday morning handout is not for you so much, but for you to give to someone else, invite a family that has kids, and we're praying for a great time together. At the end of that week, so Vacation Bible School is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On Friday night, we're going to have our second movie night of the summer and going to invite everybody that comes to uh, Vacation Bible School back for that movie night. Details will be in your Sunday morning handout next week as to what movie we're showing and all the rest. Rumor has it we want people with classic cars to drive those into movie night. So if you have one of those, I might have to go back and get my classic truck from Maryland to bring it to Anyway, uh, that's a special invitation to do that. So uh, looking forward to a great week, uh, week after next. Scott Green, I saw him just a minute ago. There he is. He's, uh, he's going to come and talk to us about something else. Good morning. Uh, we have a youth fundraiser going on today. Um, the, the table over here, you'll see, you'll notice some of the yummy desserts already be, being brought out. Uh, that will be going for a dessert auction. And Nancy's been working hard to prepare some wonderful soups that we will be uh, enjoying here for lunch right after the service. And that will be served in the cafe. So we will uh, take a line through there. Uh, But uh, this is all for the youth, and there's a lot of things that uh, the youth will need money for. So we have Water World Day, but we have a retreat in the fall. Uh, But most uh, most importantly, uh, we have a Nazarene Youth Conference next summer, which is $2,000. So we need a lot of help uh, with the, for the teams that want to go to that. And, and so please come out and support us in both the lunch. You can give at the lunch. We'll have, uh, I'm going to track down a basket so you guys have somewhere to give. Uh, we're just asking that you pay what you normally pay for a lunch uh, for that. And, and then we will do the I will be your auctioneer. I've been working on my auctioneer voice for that, uh, for the dessert auction that will follow the meal. So um, if you got any questions or anything like that, please find me. But that, those are kind of the main details. Uh, a few more details to come before we um, um, disperse for that. In just a few minutes, our ushers are going to wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings, and we have an opportunity 
to give back just a portion of the many, many ways God has blessed us and has given to us. Um, but before that, um, I'm going to invite Mike McNally to come on up here with me. A few months ago, Pastor Larry King preached a message, and he encouraged all of us to come up with a three-minute testimony to um, be able to share our testimony, the story of what Jesus has done in our life in about three minutes so that when opportunity comes our way, we are ready to share that testimony with someone. And Mike McNally has agreed to come up and share his testimony with us this morning. So let's welcome Mike here today. Thank you. You guys don't know what pressure is until she calls you and says, I want you to give a three-minute testimony. And I said to my wife, that's not possible. Larry King, I owe you one. Uh, I started to write things out like I used to do with sermons, and I decided that wasn't going to work. And so I just asked the Lord to go ahead and give me what he wants to give me. When I was young, I went to church, went to Sunday school, sang all the songs, memorized scripture, all the things that you did as young people. And then I went to church camp. And a guy named me, Jerry Walker, got up to lead the morning devotions on every day. And we sat on a hill looking out on Lake Geneva. And he said, let us pray. And there was dead silence. And it was a long period. And then Jerry said, good morning, Jesus. I opened my eyes to see who he was talking to. Because I never heard anybody talk to Jesus like that. And I followed Jerry walk around all week like a little puppy because I wanted what he had. And I wasn't getting that from anywhere else. It fed me for a while. And time let me fall back to the things I was used to doing. And I left Jerry behind. But Jesus didn't leave me behind. My testimony is that God is the hound of heaven and keeps after you and after you and after you until he gets you. And uh, he's still working on me, but he sure got more of me than he used to have. Jesus said in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. How many of you hunger and thirst for much of anything in our lives? Really hunger and thirst? And righteousness? I had trouble figuring that one out until I read Second Corinthians. Jesus himself is our righteousness. And so we have to hunger and thirst after him. And that's what you're hungering and thirsting for. So I realized that the Christian walk is one of knowing Jesus. It's not enough just to know about him. It's not enough just about singing songs and quoting scripture. I want to know him. And I found those very words by Paul in Philippians. He said, I want to know Christ. Here's a guy that persecuted Christians, probably killed a few, met Christ on the road to Damascus, was blinded, had his conversion, and after all the years of preaching Jesus, said, I want to know Christ. 
You never get enough of Jesus. I never get enough, and that's my testimony. That's what you're going to get today. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want to know Christ. And if you get nothing else this morning, take that home. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful testimony. And you know, if we are prepared to share our testimony, God will give us opportunity to share that. Um, we have influence wherever we go. God gives us opportunity to, to influence people for Christ. And a lot of that is just sharing what he has done for us. And being a part of the church, we don't only have influence right here in our community or in our workplace or in our schools. We have influence all around the world. Isn't that incredible to think about? People will be in heaven that live in Africa or that live in South America because of our ministry here in Woodland Park. I just think that is so amazing. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. And while we are giving our tithes and offerings today, we are going to be enjoying just a short little video that just talks about the influence that we have because we're a part of the church we have influence all around the world, and this video is just going to show us some of those ways that we have that influence. Also, July 31st, which is what, like two weeks away, we're going to have a very special missionary speaker. Two speakers come, John and Sandy Cunningham. We're very excited about them coming. They're going to come with a work and witness team that they are a part of. We're going to enjoy lunch afterwards with them, and I want to invite anyone Anyone who might be interested in being a part of a team right here in our church that promotes, that educates, that's all about um, missions. So be thinking about that and plan on staying for lunch on the 31st um, to hear more about how we can be more involved in missions um, as our church. So thank you so much for giving and enjoy this video. Father, send me. This is the prayer that the Church of the Nazarene has prayed from the very beginning as she sent her people into the world, a world that desperately needs Christ's transformational love. Today, we are part of a global movement in which God is actively redeeming his creation, restoring the broken through his beautiful gift of salvation offered to all. We have been called to partner with him in this movement this is why Nazarene Missions exists, to share his love, compassion, and peace as we start new Nazarene churches around the world. Entire communities are being transformed through the partnerships and relationships developed by our local churches. Nazarene missionaries are partnering with local ministers and lay leaders to bring restoration, share the gospel, and build sustainability within these communities. As each church body is developed, Nazarene Missions provides ongoing resources that help the church be effective in ministry and outreach. Our partnership ensures that the local church has a collective and immediate impact, an impact that will last for generations to come. You and I are vital to this movement, a movement that is answering the call to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. This is only made possible through your prayer your partnership, 
and your generous sacrificial giving. Nazarene Missions is a movement of God through the people of God. Let's all stand together and we'll continue our worship.
Yeah. 
of all your people that have looked up to you waiting for answers and waiting for you to move. And even when we don't feel it, we know you're doing it. So we thank you for moving even when we don't have the faith to move you. And to ask you, Jesus, you are good and we love you in Jesus' name. I heard about his healing of his cleansing
lost my cue. for years now to stand behind her and when your sister here it's really on fire and watch them and this is Linda's last day with us or Brenda Brenda it's Brenda and Linda it's Brenda and Linda yeah and it's Brenda it's Brenda today yeah. only Brenda I, I only knew of when they were together so I'm going to do a pastoral prayer in just a moment but I'm going to ask you all just to lay your hands here and pray. I'm going to share with you just briefly. Do I have your permission, Pastor? Last night, uh, Jane and I had dinner with some friends and we were at Florissant. And while we were there, there was another couple came in and sat back behind and I watched that couple the whole evening. And this girl could not take her eyes off of her friend. I watched and there was no rings. Finally I asked them, and I got poked in the ribs because I asked. I said, how long have you guys been together? And the lady said, or the guy said, three, about three months. She, they sat on the same side of the table, looked at one another, had one meal and they shared they didn't take their eyes off of each other. I, t I told my friends, I said, it's too bad you're missing this because there is something special going on back here. This morning as we're worshiping, I'm thinking that was a perfect picture of what God thinks when he's looking at you. He loves you so much, he doesn't take his eyes off of you. I know he's busy, but he can handle it. His eyes are on you, and it radiates from him. It just engulfs you. When they got ready to leave, I thanked them for being who they were together. And uh, he said, I heard your conversation that you were a pastor. And I said, yes, I am, was, whatever it is I do. And I said, I want to know about you. Where did you meet? And he said, we met in church. You're in the right place today to meet with the lover of your soul. Father, I pray right now for us as a body of Christ. I thank you for the good works that you're doing. I thank you that our best days are still in front of us that we as individuals and we as a church represent you. And as long as your eye is on us, Lord, and our eye is on you, we're going to accomplish great things for our community and for the world. I ask your blessings on the rest of this service, on Pastor as he shares your word. I pray that the word would fall on hearts that are hungry 
as as uh, Mike shared with us, we need to have a hunger and a thirst for you, Lord. If we do that part, you'll do yours. You'll fill us. You'll refresh us. I thank you for it, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. don't know about you, but I'm encouraged. Encouraged by the testimonies, the prayers, the music that we've heard. It's beautiful to be together in God's house. Amen. God bless Brenda. Kelly and I are privileged to have a couple of old friends with us today, getting older by the day, too. Would you welcome Kakia and Lisa, sitting up here on the front row? <laughs> uh, Lisa was our facility staff person back in Gaithersburg before she moved to Washington State, and she flew in yesterday from there. And uh, she was also our adult Christian education overseer, and I think women's ministry overseer, and did about everything around uh, that church. Kaki had a beautiful ministry with some uh, young women at risk that came out of a subsidized housing project that we worked in for years and years and years. She's an awesome cook, too, and very generous to us and in the church. But the things that I, the thing that I always remember about these three sitting up here on the front row are the walks they took every morning for years, three miles every morning, and they talked and they prayed. Just prayed out loud to the Father together like he was right there with them, and he was. And over the years, they prayed for our combined five daughters and three sons. Part of a Moms in Touch group uh, years ago that lifted up uh, our kids, and uh, that will be what I'll remember. You three, Our church back home, by the way, is after six months finally meeting their candidate for a new lead pastor. We just had our old youth pastor and wife and four kids who were like family to us last week, so i got to get the weepies out of my system so I can preach right here. But it's really good to be a part of the church. I look back, a, a service like this 
I just looked back over the years and I realized how much the church has meant to me. It's been like family. And I want it to be like that for everyone. Amen. Well, next week we'll have our district superintendent, Dr. Virgil Askren, with us and his wife, Judy. He'll be preaching. He's a good preacher. Heard him for the first time at district assembly. Looking forward to his message. And then you already heard uh, a week from uh, next Sunday, July 31st, we'll have these folks. First slide, John and Sandy Cunningham. And uh, we're looking forward to their message and uh, they're being with us and they're bringing 28 friends along. So we'll have to put out some more chairs next uh, that Sunday for everybody that will be here. The message today will remind us of one of the reasons that we have a gospel presence through the Church of the Nazarene, and the same could be said of other churches across this country, a gospel presence in 160-plus countries in the world. Today, the message will remind us of one reason why all of us should remember that every day we're on mission, a mission of mercy, a mission of love, full of grace and truth. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, 2 Peter 3, 2 Peter 3. I still use the old New International Version, and in the NIV, they give titles to every section of every book of the Bible, and the title to the chapter that I want to preach from this morning is uh, The Day of the Lord. That phrase appears in verse 10 of uh, 2 Peter 3, and elsewhere in the Scriptures, both Old and New Testament, sometimes simply the day, as in Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day of the Lord is the day Christ returns, the dead are raised, the world is judged, and God calls an end to the old order of things and makes everything new. And the more I go along in life, the more I'm looking forward to that. It will be a glad day for those who are saved. It will be a sad day for those who are not. We used to sing a hymn in the church, there's a great day coming. A great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by, when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? How do you get ready for that day? Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus. Receive Him as your Savior. Live life with Him and for Him all your days. And one day He'll invite you into His eternal kingdom. Praise be to His name. That's why Jesus came first time and why he died on the cross for our sins and was raised again. Against the backdrop of that day, the Apostle Peter writes this third chapter. There's a verse in the middle of this chapter that really stirs my heart this morning. I want to walk down to it. I want to walk past it. And then we'll come back to uh, that verse and finish there today. So 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, we'll begin at verse 1. Peter begins this way. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. 
Both Peter's letters were written to Christians and churches scattered across a uh, wide swath of land on the east and north side of the Mediterranean Sea. And he calls them all dear friends. Some of you know that there's uh, three primary Greek words for love used in the New Testament. And the highest form of love, the unconditional love of God is, what's that word? Agape. The word we translate dear friends here is agapatoi, <laughs> loved ones. Peter will use it four times in this closing chapter. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you, moving on in that first verse. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Our, uh, ours is often a ministry of reminder. Preachers, uh, teachers, small group leaders, parents, a ministry of reminder. We all need those. C.S. Lewis said that keeping the faith will be more certain when we keep the truth of the Scriptures in front of us on a daily basis. We can be reminding each other, um, encouraging each other all the time. Paul in Ephesians 4 says he, uh, we are to speak the truth in love to each other. We can do that, amen? Ours is a ministry of reminder. Peter's reminders were intended to stimulate them, literally arouse or awaken to wholesome thinking. We can have some stinking thinking sometimes, amen? We can get some things in our heads that just aren't true, and we need to come in, keep coming back to the Word and the reminder that the Word offers to us, and we need to remind each other of that word. This second letter of Peter's especially confronts the false teachers among them. I don't know what images come to mind when you hear false teachers. They're not all blatantly evil folks. They just may be off. I uh, read something that Brother Larry sent to me this week that was disturbing. Um, Barna Research says that, what is that? One out of three pastors are what, Larry? Yeah, aren't preaching from a wholly biblical worldview these days. That's disturbing. And only about one in ten Folks that are gathering with churches today have a genuinely biblical world view. We need to be in the Word, my friends, on a daily basis and hiding it away in our hearts. Amen? Verse 2 in this chapter. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles, Peter writes. And we have all that right here. 
in this Bible that I hold today. Isn't that a remarkable gift that we have? I'm reminded again of the treasure we have in this book. We know where it all began and where it will all end and how we live in between, inspired by God Himself. Peter recognized that his message and the preaching and teaching of the other apostles was built on the foundation laid by the prophets of old, that God had been speaking through His servants for centuries, and in these last days has spoken to us through His Son, whose life and teaching we have preserved in those four Gospels. This is what Peter says about that message in, uh, in one of his books. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. The first chapter of this same letter, verse 19. At verse 3 in this uh, third chapter, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, Jesus promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. In the last days, the last days began when Jesus came. Go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. So the last days have been unfolding now for 2,000 years. And that may seem like a long time. Peter will address that in just a moment. Peter said scoffers or mockers will come and with evil intent will say, hey, where's this coming you all promised? Seems like life is moving right along just like it's done from the beginning. They didn't believe it. And the apparent delay and only solidified their unbelief. Not so for those of us who are followers of Jesus. The second coming was on every believer's mind in those early days. The prospects of that return propelled them, compelled them, gave them hope and an urgency. Think about Jesus' words on that night before the cross, John chapter 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. They hung on to that promise. It appears they believe it was imminent, his return. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 29, that the time is short. And even though 2,000 years has gone by, it is. Even if Jesus is another 2,000 years in coming, doesn't our life just fly by? In that sense, it's short for each and every one of us. The second coming of Christ does not appear to be on the minds of most believers these days, at least not in these United States. In fact, I wonder if there aren't as many scoffers or at least doubters within the church as there are outside. It appears that these scoffers uh, back in Peter's day, 30 years after the time of Christ, were once a part of the fellowship of believers but had wandered. Go back to chapter 2 and you can check that out. They were saying, hey, where's Jesus? 
So Peter begins his response in verse 5. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Reality is life hadn't been moving right along from the beginning. Because of the rampant evil in the world, God destroyed all but Noah and his family in the flood. And Peter said he will do it again, this time by a different means. Verse 7, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. There's the day of the Lord. I was just reading Matthew 24 this past week, and Jesus draws a comparison between the days leading up to the flood and the days leading up to the end, the day of the Lord. Matthew 24, verse 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. The difference being we know. We've been warned. We can anticipate that day and be ready for it. At verse 8, Peter's response to the scoffers continues. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Peter had read Psalm 90 at verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. We say time flies, and it does, right? Am I really 62 years old? Tell me it isn't so. On the other hand, I thought these last two, three years seem to be like 20 or 30. I don't know what's going on. But all of that means nothing to God. Some try to explain how God exists outside of our time-space continuum, and that's hard for me to wrap my brain around. But I don't have any problem believing that for God, who has no beginning or end, that a couple thousand years is nothing. I love those first few verses of Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Two thousand years is like that for him. But God, our Creator, our Father, knows what time means to us. And Peter goes on in verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you. Not only is a millennium like the tick of a clock for God, God is patient. Love is patient. His slowness in returning, Peter says, is actually a mercy. He wants to give folks time to turn 
to him. The middle of this ninth verse is what stirs me most today. And we're going to come back to it. Peter writes, he, God, is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. First part of verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. There it is, the day of the Lord. When Christ returns, when we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, when God says in one person's words, that's enough. That day will come like a thief in the night, suddenly, without knowing when. Anyone ever have their house broken into? I'd be interested. No, no, raise a hand. Scary thing. Were you expecting it? Probably not. The rest of verse 10 is quite apocalyptic. Peter writes, The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Then verse 11, Peter asks an important question. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And given the apocalyptic end of the world, you'd expect a dramatic answer like build a bunker or head for the hills or quit your day job and warn everyone 24-7. But that's not what you get. Second half of verse 11 and then into verse 12. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Verse 14, the answer continues. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. At verse 18, the answer continues. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. In other words, in light of His return, God says, live the life I've always told you to live. Be holy, pure in heart, love deeply from the heart, Peter says in his first letter. Recognize that God has set you apart for a purpose in this world. Be godly. Be like God. Be like Jesus. Amen? Back to the apocalyptic description of the end, second half of verse 12. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. <laughs> Whoa. But here's the good news. It's not just a fiery end to everything. In reality, it's the end of sin and suffering and all the effects of sin in a fallen world. And it's a new forever beginning, verse 13. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Praise be to His name. Beginning of verse 15, the Apostle Paul makes Peter's letter. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul, brother Paul also wrote with the wisdom that God gave him. 
He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. I think about Romans 9, 10, and 11 when he writes that. Which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Peter's a lot kinder to Paul in his reference to Paul in his letter than Paul was to Peter in reference to Peter in his letter. You remember that passage? I called Peter out in front of them all. Verse 17, one last warning against the scoffers and, and even a more serious warning here. Verse 17, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. My time prayerfully considering the scriptures tells me that just as we can choose to follow Christ, we can choose to walk away. Not everyone in the church believes that. Our more Calvinist friends would not, and maybe that includes some of you. We can live together and love each other, no doubt. But I absolutely believe we can fall away, that faith is a choice from beginning to end. I will say to those of us in our faith tradition who believe you can, there perhaps is more security in our salvation than some of us have grown up believing. <laughs> but I come back to verse 9. And what stirs my heart most in this chapter. God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient with us, patient with the world, patient with me, patient with you. He's allowed us to see this day. By his mercy, we are here. Some years ago, I began to measure life in days. I've been alive 22,827 days. And every one of our days is filled with God's presence. In every one of our days, God is speaking. In every one of our days, God is reaching out. In every one of our days, God is providing, if we'll only recognize it. Dr. Christie, in his weekly email to some of us this past week, quoted a verse from Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In the beginning of time, Genesis 3, when we fell, God came. And those moments after that fall, seeking us out. There's a classic poem written by Francis Thompson in 1890, titled, Mike McNally, the hound of heaven. Isn't that something that you mentioned, that description of our God today? 182 lines. It begins this way. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways. And on that uh, epic poem goes 182 lines describing the hound of heaven pursuing us even though we fled from him. 
and it ends this way. Halts by me that footfall is my gloom after all shade of his hand. Outstretched caressingly and then God speaks. Ah, fondest, blindest, weakest. I am he whom thou seekest. God seeks us relentlessly. The last verse of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me literally pursue me all the days of my life. God doesn't want anyone to perish. Am I right? Some will. We believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I don't like the idea of hell. I don't like the idea that someone could be eternally lost. But that's what God's will, God's word says. But God wants everyone to come to repentance. And that's what's necessary to be saved. Turning from our sin. Turning from our own self-directed, self-ruled life. And turning the only one who can save us, turning to God. Not everyone goes to heaven when they die, but God wants them to. God wants you to. He wants everyone to be saved, everyone to live. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full and live forever. And to that end, God has given us his only son. Think of what God has done to save us. Given us his only son, who lived for a while among us, taught us, set us an example, loved us. God has given us his Holy Spirit, present here right now. I'm confident he's speaking to each and every one of you helping me, present in this world. He's given us his written word, preserved all through these centuries, which tells us how it all began and how it will all end and how to live in between. He's given us the ability to think. Reason is on the side of faith. I'm convinced of that. He's given us the collective wisdom of the church through the years. He's given us the privilege of praying, of hearing from Him, of speaking to Him. And on the list goes, God doesn't want anyone to perish, and neither should we. God doesn't want anyone to perish, and neither should we. And that's what stirs me today the most about this chapter. That's why the Church of the Nazarene is in more than 160 countries with missionaries and raising up pastors and compassionate ministry, meeting the needs of people in those countries. That's why we have Nazarene compassionate ministries. That's why uh, so many other churches and denominations and ministry organizations are, are in every country in the world. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we send mission teams. That's why we give. That's why we, we pray. That's why we serve. That's why we find a place 
where we can do something in our church and in our community. That's why we all are ready to give an account for the hope that we have, to share the good news of the gospel, to live it out. That's what we're prayerfully considering these days here at WLC. How can we get back out into the community and serve in Jesus' name? God doesn't want anyone to perish, and neither should we. Amen? Few of you have seen a picture of our granddaughter, Emmy, in these four months we've been together. This past week, uh, we got a call from Abby, our daughter. And they had been noticing seizures in our little six-month-old granddaughter. And uh, the possibilities were serious. They saw a neurologist in their little mountain town who concurred that what she was seeing with seizures sent little Emmy and Abby and Jared to a Children's Hospital two hours away in Pittsburgh that very next morning. And for 36 hours, a mom and a dad and a grandma and a grandpa and an aunt to Bex were were praying without ceasing. It wasn't life-threatening, but oh my goodness, it tore us up. Some of you have kids. You have grandkids. You know what I mean. Turns out, Emmy's A-OK. -okay, and we are so grateful. But here's the point. If we being evil, if we just being human, can uh, love someone so much that that scares us half to death, how much more does it God? who loves us more than we could ever imagine. How much is his heart broken for the lostness of this world? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. He doesn't want us to perish, but have everlasting life. Now, you can move that picture, Scott. That's going to tear me up. <laughs> Our worship team's going to come back. Uh, we want to sing a song we taught you last week. Beautiful song. What do I want you to do with the message today? Don't let anyone or anything else form your view of the world other than God by His Holy Spirit through this, this book. And, and love people enough to be Christ to them and to share the good news of the gospel. Amen?
believe God wants to do something for someone today. It may be Savior. Maybe you don't know Christ as Savior right now. This could be that day. As we sing, you could come and kneel at these altars and pray right where you are. But mostly, I have in mind those of us who are followers of Jesus. We absolutely have to recognize the importance of what we're about these days. have a stand. And as we sing, reminded of the great truth of uh, this song, let's just be obedient to God and do what he asks us to do. Amen. Let's sing.
believe that, say amen. amen. Father, I pray that your word would find a place not only in our hearing today, but in our hearts and in our living. Make us your ambassadors, O oh God. Help us this week to be your hands and feet, your eyes and ears in a world that desperately needs you. Stir in me and stir in us all the deep, deep love of Jesus for others. Thank you, Father, for the hope that you've given us in your Son. Help us to live in that hope and share it with everyone we meet along the way, we pray. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Hey, don't move, but have uh, Pastor Scott come, and uh, he's got a great invitation for you uh, for today. Appreciate all that Scott does, and Lori, and Tracy back there in the kids' wing, and Robin in the office. Uh, good to be sharing ministry with you these days. So, Scott, take us away, and then get us going. Would love to uh, have you guys join us today with uh, our fundraiser lunch after the service. Uh, the The line will just continue into the cafe, and Nancy will have some tables set up there to grab and like we said before, just give what you would give normally for a for a lunch and um, come support the youth. We would we would love to have you guys. I think you guys are dismissed. <laughs>